Good morning. It's nice to be with the family again. One day we'll all be in the new earth wearing robes. Speaking of robes, it's kind of neat that uh, the story this morning talked about Adam and Eve and uh, all of a sudden they were naked. And uh, that means they lost something. And it was their robes that, was, that were given to them when they were created. And those robes were righteousness. They were, the robes were their innocence. They had a right to those robes. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Before I get started here, though, I need to invite the Holy Spirit to take charge. If you want to just stay in your seats and bow your heads, you can uh, pray with me or just help me. Our Father in heaven, I, I do invite you. You've said, Lord, that know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So I'm inviting you, Lord, to fill our hearts, fill our minds, fill our church with your presence. Bring us your message. Help us to understand it clearly and desire to live it. And we thank you for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, okay. Our message today has to do with preparing for the seal of God. Isn't that a beautiful background? I just gave them the title and boy, they have, uh, they have talent. Our people do. The scripture for today is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep. Laodicea needs to wake up. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch. Numerous places God says we should watch. So what are we watching for? Let us watch and be sober. Sober means it's important. And uh, every, every generation should have watched and been serious, and especially as we get to the end of time. Preparing for the seal of God. If we, if we go to Matthew 24, verse 32, we are told, learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, now that's the spring, isn't that? That's the beginning of something. Putting forth leaves, not a branch yet, just little green buds opening up. Putting forth leaves is the beginning of something and we know what's coming. Summer is nigh. Summer is close. So when we see the prophecies of the end time beginning to show, we know that his return is near. But do we know if we are prepared for the angel with the inkhorn who seals God's people in their foreheads thinks we're ready to be sealed? We need to be ready before we think we need to because when the trouble is that bad, probation closes, the filthy remain filthy and the righteous and holy remain holy. 
So we need to be thinking about this ahead of time. That's why we have warnings and are told to watch and even given what to watch for. Matthew 24 goes on, it, it, if we back up, it's through 6 to 10. Matthew 24, 6 to 10. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. 6,000 years we've been hearing that. So what's the big deal? It's just an indication that during the little time of trouble before probation closes, once again, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Now, I look at a wheel with spokes, and I, I watch for all the spokes to be in the wheel. Because these things have happened periodically, and that's a spoke in a wheel, but one spoke isn't enough. At the end of time, all the spokes are in the wheel together. And one of them is that there will be wars and rumors of wars. Well, we know it's in the news today. See that you be not troubled. Well, that would be nice if we weren't, and we're told not to be troubled because <clears throat> these things must come to pass. So trying to stop wars and rumors of wars and the things that follow is not going to succeed because God said these things will happen. The end is not yet. So now we think we can take some time. We don't have to get ready right away. But wait a minute. Verse 7 says, for nation shall rise against nation. That's happening, always has. So we have two spokes because it's still happening at the end of time. And kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines. I guess in California they're talking about 1,200 years. It's been since we've had a dryness out there and famine like they're having now, the dryness. And pestilence, if you look at pestilence in the original language and define it, it comes up including viruses. And of course, we've had flu year after year, but during this time, that spoke will be in the wheel. And earthquakes have them all the time, always have had, always will have. Um, but at that time, that spoke will be in the wheel with the other spokes. So now it's becoming a little more difficult to have everything happening at once. It's more obvious that the leaves are turning because there's so many prophecies. And it says the earthquakes, <clears throat> excuse me, the earthquakes in this case are a little different. They're not just big. They're not just many of them. Um, uh, last year, Iceland had 9,000 earthquakes in, in 10, 10 days. But that's not what he's talking about. He's, God is saying earthquakes in diverse places. Well, if he put the word diverse in there, we should look at it and understand for thousands of years we've had earthquakes in diverse places, but we didn't know it. If you were in uh, China and I was in, 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 in Europe, you had yours and I didn't know it and I had mine and you didn't know it. But now any one of us at any time can know all the diversity of the earthquakes and that's in this generation because we have Richter scales everywhere and they report within seconds or minutes and accumulate. And we can hit them online and say, wow, look at that batch. And, and as far as diversity, how about this? We have a Richter scale on the moon. How diverse is that? That's not a previous generation. That's a spoke in this wheel. 
Verse 8, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Oh my. The beginning. These prophecies that we watch for, that we see, that we add up, are just the beginning. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. So the little time of trouble gets worse. And they shall kill you. Uh, this has been going on for a long time, too, in many places and times. But we know even today that spoke is in the wheel because we've got countries where people with machetes are killing Christians. And when it says you, God is talking about his people and their burning churches and what have you. And ye shall be hated of all nations. This is getting to the point today where it's like a new spoke in the wheel where it isn't just one nation that decides to hate Christians for a season or two. It's everyone. All the nations are now looking at Christians and saying, you're a waste of time. You're a pain in my neck. And it's for his name's sake. In other words, it isn't just religion in general. If you're, if you're into witchcraft, that's great. I like, your religion is okay with me. But if it's Christ's name then you're the one and we identify that's another spoke in the wheel that's specific verse 10 and then many shall be offended and shall betray one another and that means our families in some cases our children won't like us in some cases the parents won't like the children it gets a little more personal and shall hate one another that means they can't actually live together or get along together. This is the end times uh, vision of uh, the spokes. And remember, they're simultaneous, all of them. Now, as we get closer to the end of time, as we move forward in the little time of trouble, we go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 14, and it tells us, God's word says, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So the persecution is going to increase and it's pointing at those who live godly, those who keep the commandments. Some keep a couple of commandments, some keep a half a dozen, some keep nine. But this is the people that keep ten and live godly. In verse 13 it says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse. So it's going to get worse. This is the beginning. He says the beginning of sorrows. It's going to get worse. So as we move forward, don't be surprised. And it's not just going to get worse. It's going to get worse faster. And this is the part that's interesting. It says these people will be deceiving and will be deceived. Interestingly enough, when we listen to the news, the media, uh, the leaders of the world, they can deceive us. They can say, well, this science or that science is what we want you to do, so measure up. We may be deceived, but what's interesting here is they're deceived. They're deceiving and being deceived. Well, what is the deception that they live under? The deception that they live under 
these leaders, these powerful billionaires, what they're living under is Satan wants to be as the Most High. Satan wants to be God. Satan has terrors that represent him, and he uses them like puppets on strings to do his beckoning. So while they're thinking that they're running the world in the direction they want it to go, they're actually running the world in the direction Satan wants it to go, and he's using them, and they're deceived because they don't have the Word of God, the direction book for life. And 14 says, But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned. Basically what that's saying is, you know the truth, and you know God gave it to you. Continue in it. No matter how bad it gets or how fast it moves or who's deceiving who, hang on to the truth you know because you know who gave it to you. And that is the all-knowing giver of life that loves you because he made you to be his child forever. And he wants us back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay. We've got so much really nifty stuff here. As this trouble has become global, <clears throat> I want to emphasize global because a lot of things have happened over the years. <clears throat> Excuse me. And years ago it was um, just Israel, that area, maybe the Nile, Egypt, and then it was Europe, and then it was growing larger and larger. And as this virus of sin grew further and further, it has now circled the planet. It's global sin. There's nowhere else to go on this planet. And God isn't going to allow sin to pollute the universe. He just wants an example of what happens. And this earth is the example. And these things have become global, so this is the finale time. We are entering the little time of trouble. Now, now is the time we need to prepare to receive the seal of God. When probation closes, the angel with the inkhorn that seals God's people in their foreheads is done. It doesn't close until he's finished. And the people who are saved and will have eternal life in the new earth have been chosen and marked in their foreheads. And Jesus will come back and know who to, re who to resurrect and who to translate without seeing death. This is important to have this seal. They are coming against the Bible as hate speech right now, closing churches. We have the right, we have a constitution that says we have the right to freedom of religion, but this power can close churches. It can circumvent the constitution. We thought we needed a constitutional convention to change the constitution. No, it's too late. They're already getting around it. Restricting freedom of religion. They're blocking legal religious exemptions. They're doing whatever they please. Satan has power and he's wise. We are told our country, this is what the spirit of prophecy says, our country shall repudiate every principle of its constitution as a Protestant and Republican government and shall make provision for the propagation of falsehoods and delusions. Then we may know that the time has come 
for the marveling, marvelous working of Satan and that the end is near. This is what I'm trying to say today. The end is near because these things are already happening. This prophecy is no longer future. This prophecy is happening now and the end is near. It's time to ask, how can I be sure that I'm sealed or when the sealing takes place that I'm ready? Revelation 22.10 says, And he said unto me, Seal not the saying of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Anybody that tells you that Revelation, this is Revelation 22.10, anybody that tells you that Revelation is confusing or hard to understand or isn't open yet, get away from that. That book reveals, Revelation reveals the end time to prepare us, and it's open. Revelation 7, verses, 20, uh, verses 2 to 3. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. Here it comes. Are we ready? And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth. These four angels were actually dispatched to hurt the earth and the sea. And this angel with a loud voice, is that the fourth angel's loud cry? saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. Don't miss the sealing. Be ready. The end is near. These prophecies are happening now. The spokes are in the wheel. The four angels are still holding back the four winds. Thank you, Lord. An example would be... Um, There's a billionaire who is putting satellites in the sky to control communication and banking, and he's going to have tens of thousands of them up there like a blanket, so that anywhere you are, even in the middle of a desert, if you have a phone, you can do your banking. You don't have to have a bank account or a bank. You can do your banking. He's going to make a lot of money. This is cool stuff. Well, in the process of putting up tens of thousands of satellites, um, January, February, uh, January 31st, he blasted up there about 48, I think, satellites. And guess what happened? The four angels saw that. You know what they did? They released a coronal mass ejection from the sun that was pointed toward the earth. And 40 of those satellites were wasted by the sun. Now who controls the sun? Also, our Supreme Court recently restricted mandates. September of last year, one month, four and a half million people had to quit their jobs because they wouldn't do what the mandate said. September and in November, Another four and a half million lost their jobs. Can't pay their house, can't pay their car. This is serious, hurtful stuff. So in those two months, nine million people were out of work. The Supreme Court has restricted that mandate and it has saved many jobs. Thank you, angels. Thank you, Lord. They're still at work, but the time comes when their work is finished. And that's when probation closes and they do what they were dispatched to do. 
Are we ready? Will we be ready? How close is it? The seal of God is the keeping of the Ten Commandments and especially the Fourth Commandment because it contains the seal of God. There's a seal again. What is a seal? Well, let's just take the, the seal of the United States here. Uh, the president, uh, let's see, the presidential seal of the United States includes three things. The person's name, the person's title, president, and the person's jurisdiction. President of what? The United States of America. There's a seal. Well, in the fourth commandment, God has a seal, his seal, because it mentions in the commandment, it gives his name, Lord. It gives his title, creator. And it gives his jurisdiction, creator of what? Heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. There's the seal. It's the fourth commandment. And why is that the main commandment that Satan attacks to hide, to strip? Because it identifies who owns everything, who God is, and he says, I will be like the Most High. I will be as God. He wants the worship. And so there's a battle over this commandment. To honor God, one must honor his seal, which says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath day twice is mentioned as the seventh day. The seventh, it says the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Now man has a commandment that says Sunday is the Lord's day. Let me get this right now. Sunday is the Lord's day? Because God himself in the commandment, having his seal, said the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. I'm, I'm going to have to make a choice here. Keep God's commandments or keep man's commandments. As for me and my house and yours, we serve the Lord. In vain they do worship me. Well, let's see. Daniel 7.25 deals with this a little bit also. Daniel was shown the future. And he said, The enemy shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And, catch this now, he will think to change the times and laws of God. Okay, the times and laws of God. Is the fourth commandment a law? Does it deal with time? Does he really think he can change it? Man? Because if I go up in an airplane and I jump out without a parachute because I think I'm a bird, thinking won't make it. There's going to be a problem. In James chapter 2, verse 10, for those who shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So Satan knows that he can have a church and he can preach the Bible and he can preach the commandments. As long as he doesn't preach the fourth one correctly, we're only keeping nine. And if you offend in one, you offend in all. What he's saying is, if I want to go to heaven <clears throat> and I'm keeping nine commandments, 
and all I want to do in heaven is murder people on the weekend, I don't think I'm going to get in. I need to keep all 10. Okay. Matthew 15, verse 9, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. God himself said man will have commandments, and they'll teach them. And many, this is Matthew 7, verses 22 to 23. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Sounds like Christians, doesn't it? And what does he say? I will profess to them, verse 23, I never knew you. Depart from me. You that work in equity. So these are Christians who are not being allowed into heaven because of inequity. What is inequity? Don't look it up in the English dictionary. Go to the language it was written in, find the word, and find the definition of that word, not our word. The word <clears throat> in the original language, anonima, anonima, the definition of uh, um, <laughs> amanila is transgression of the law. You who worked transgression of the law. So in that law, they must have offended in one. And if they chose man's commandments, Sunday is the Lord's day. They need to get back to keeping God's commandments and all 10 of them, where he says, I am Lord of the seventh day, the Sabbath. Now, this being said, as busy as the world is, how many Christians are going to be ready to receive the seal when they're transgressing and don't know it because Satan speaks with guile? These Christians have set aside the seal of God and have accepted Satan's lie that they should worship on one of the six days God made for labor. Sunday is a labor day. God said so. As this little time of trouble proceeds more rapidly, and I think you have sensed it speeding up, we will see more proof of the nearness of the close of probation. <clears throat> we have to be ready ahead of time. Our Constitution is already being circumvented. <clears throat> Bank accounts are being frozen to prevent buying and selling for some. I think uh, in the last few days you've noticed the truckers in Canada <clears throat> and what's happening with their bank accounts. Satan is practicing. These prophecies are not tomorrow. They have already begun. <clears throat> this little time of trouble ends at the close of probation. That's when the great time of trouble begins, the seven last plagues. The seven last plagues are not just trouble for everybody. They will be trouble for everybody, but they are in fact the judgment that has been earned and is being paid to balance the scale. These are the rewards for the wicked. And so when probation closes, those who are sealed 
Don't have to worry. They're going to make it. <clears throat> During the great time of trouble, magnanimous things will happen. We're shifting gears here now. Magnanimous things will happen in the great time of the plagues, of the troubles. Almost all of these things can be seen in their infancy now. Yes, I'm suggesting that if you list the seven last plagues and you look at the world today, you can see those plagues in their infancy. Some of these things take time to develop in order to explode. And that preparation is the little green leaves that show that the end is near. But we need to be watching. I want to share one of those things with you, an example. Go with me to Isaiah 24, verse 20. God says, in the future, the earth will heal, reel. It will reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage, and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again. We're talking about the earth. This sounds a little bit like science fiction or, or some kind of fairy tale. A lot of people will read that. What? The earth will heal, reel to and fro like a drunkard. It will fall and not rise again. They'll put that book away and say, I have time for foolishness. But let's go a little further. Let me read to you from the Bible commentary. This, uh, real quickly, I just wanted to say, if you spin a top and it's spinning with proper speed and everything, it's nice and straight and it just stays there for a, for a period of time, which the earth has. But as it begins to wobble, there's reasons. And that's the infancy of the change which we can see already. In Isaiah 24, verse 1 through 27, this section is known as Isaiah's Apocalypse. That particular section has very wide scope. It's global. It's no, well, let me continue to read. The judgment moves from the nations listed in the section of the book, to the whole world. This is Isaiah saying, this apocalypse is wide scope. It's going to involve the whole world. Apostasy among God's people causes the earth's desolation. Apostasy is the reason, don't be part of it, but it causes the earth's desolation. Desolation is like it's over with. It reveals God's sovereignty over the whole world. So there's a purpose for this. Reeling to and fro shows who owns the world. Can the legislators make a new law to stop this? Can the billionaires pay enough to stop this? No, only God is sovereign. They'll, they'll find that out soon enough. Now in the fourth plague, Revelation 16, verses 8 and 9. <clears throat> and the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire, and men were scorched with great heat. That sounds a little bit like global warming. 
But of course, the plagues haven't happened yet because probation isn't closed yet because we're not sealed yet. So it has to be the fourth plague's infancy because who's going to make the sun cool down when it's blowing satellites out of the sky? In this month, February, every day has had a coronal mass ejection. Every one of them, except the one that blew the satellites out, which was January 31st, has been on the opposite side of the sun from the earth. Imagine if that were to turn around. The last one, which was in the news just recently, the last couple days, they had a picture of the explosion on the sun on the other side, thank goodness. And rather than a sunspot exploding, this thing was so large, they said it had to be it had to be a mass of sunspots because the chunk of the sun that disappeared out into space was that huge. So I don't think that the great heat will cool off unless God wants it to. We can see this plague in its infancy because we are definitely experiencing global warming. Sun will scorch the earth. Men will blaspheme God because of the heat. Scientific journals have reported this, that Greenland's ice sheet has lost 9 trillion tons of ice in the 20th century. 9 trillion tons of weight. These are not gallons. These are not pounds. These are tons. And they're in the trillions. And this is 9 trillion, please understand, just from Greenland. How, much, how many tons have we lost from the Arctic, from the Antarctic, from glaciers in the Andes Mountains, in the Himalayas, and all the other mountains? Add that all together, and the question is, where did all this melted ice go? It found its way to the equator as the result of the centrifugal force of the Earth's spin. This has caused a shift in the axis of the Earth. That would be the North and South Pole. The axis that it spins on has shifted and has moved the North Pole. This is called polar drift, and they've reported that the drift is speeding up and is erratic, like a drunkard. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the NOAA, reported that the magnetic North Pole has moved at an unprecedented rate of 55 kilometers per year. That's a bit of a wobble. Is our Earth drunk or is it just a sign to us to get sealed? Another effect of this great amount of weight having shifted to the equator has caused the earth to begin to heave to and fro. So the great time of trouble may be closer than we think. We've got to get sealed. The sun and moon cause ocean tides. In California, I used to go what they call abalonying. When the sun and the moon were in the proper place, it would pull the water one way, reducing the water where I lived. And so the ocean would sink six feet. And I could run out on the rocks where you could never go, and I could find great big abalone. 
pry them off the rocks, put them in a sack, bring them home, and the game warden would stop you and count how many you had and make sure you weren't cheating. So those tides can be more extreme if the sun and the moon combine in the sky in the same place, which it does regularly. Now remember that the sun and moon cause ocean tides to rise and fall, but the ocean sets on our crust and our crust isn't very thick. And what's below the crust? Liquid. That can be moved by the sun and moon like a tide also. Magma, the stuff that comes out of volcanoes is liquid. And when this force, magnetic force, gravitational force pulls or lets go, the whole crust can start to go into motion. Now take trillions, the weight of trillions of tons in a new area, the, 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 the equator. Move it to the equator and it pushes down, causing greater lift elsewhere. So if all this tonnage went to the equator and is pushing down, something else is rising up. This up and down motion on a broken crust increases earthquake and volcanic activity. A new kind of earthquake has been reported. Last year there were two of them. They're called global earthquakes. You don't feel them. Researchers say these quakes are like waves. They go around the world multiple times. That sounds like the tides, multiple times a day. Something different is happening. This is their own wording. The U.S. Geological Survey's statement, after seeing the real-time seismograph, there is no logical explanation as to why these strange waves took place on these two occasions. There was no huge earthquake that triggered them, which made these events mysterious. Well, they need to read the Bible. This was what they noted. The researchers reported this. Sounds like a heave to and fro in its infancy to me. Now, if these plagues can be seen like little leaves in the spring, knowing that summer is coming, that would mean that we're very close to the great time of trouble, which is the seven last plagues, which come after probation closes, which is the time for us to get sealed. I think it's time to begin to pay attention. How am I doing? because you aren't sealed when you need it. You have to prepare. You have to get right to get the seal before you need it. If these infants grow faster than we expect, probation will close sooner than we expect then we need to be ready to be sealed sooner than we expect.
please, we need to work together on this. We're God's people. We're the family of God. And we need to help each other get ready to wake up, to see these things happening and know what it means. Now, it's going to get serious now. I'm going to talk about the seal, what it is, and how to get it. The wedding garment is the character of Jesus. Adam and Eve were created with the character of Jesus and holy angels. They were holy and sinless. They had not sinned. They had the robe on. The wedding garment is the character of Jesus, and the character of Jesus is the seal. By his perfect obedience, he has made it possible for every human being to obey the commandments. He took on fallen flesh and walked this earth and kept the commandments and says, follow me. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Go and sin no more. Was that a lie? Was it a joke? Go and sin no more. I can go on with that, but just believe what you're hearing because this is the Word of God. When we submit ourselves to Christ, the heart is united with His heart. The will is merged with His will. The mind becomes one with His mind. The thoughts are brought into captivity to Him. We live His life. We come into the fullness of Christ. He won't fail. We could, but let's not. This is what it means to be clothed with the garment of his righteousness. His righteousness that he wears, his garment, that covered our sins throughout the ages. When he stands up and says, let the filthy remain filthy and the holy remain holy, he leaves the holy of holies where he ministers his blood for our sins and he quits ministering and puts on his kingly robe to come back and get the people that are sealed. And the only way we can survive is that we are sinners who used to sin that are no longer sinning because we have the robe of righteousness, which is his character. It has become ours. We now are restored to what we once were. I'm going to, I'm going to say just a few words here, and then I'm going to read something. Uh, well, let me say a few words first. First, Jenny. First, I'm going to read a few things first. You can sit down just for a second. Okay. Now follow me because this is how we get the seal. How plainly the picture is drawn in the word of God of his dealing with the man who accepted his invitation to the wedding but did not put on the wedding garment. My brother, your garment your righteousness will not be sufficient. You must put on the robe of Christ's righteousness. It didn't say hide under it. It said put on. Adam and Eve had it. They lost it. Let's put it back on. What is it? Righteousness. The righteousness that Jesus can provide. 
Union of humanity with divinity by the marriage in this scene. It's a union of humanity with divinity. The wedding garment represents the character which all must possess. This comes from a book, Christ's Object Lessons. It is while men are still dwelling upon the earth, that's now, little time of trouble, the work of investigative judgment takes place in the courts of heaven. So while the judgment, who will be sealed and who won't, is taking place in heaven, we're down here. And the question is, are we paying attention? By the wedding garment in the parable is represented the pure, spotless character of Jesus Christ's true followers will be possessing. So his pureness, his righteousness that he has lived, we will want to live with him and we possess it. That's the seal. Not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing. We can go to Revelation 19, verse 8. Revelation. Revelation 19, verse 8. And to her it was given, to her it was granted to be arrayed, dressed, in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. We're living and choosing righteousness and they're called saints. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, the fine linen says, the scriptures, quote, is the righteousness of saints. It is the righteousness of Christ, his own unblemished character. Let's turn to Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 27. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. This is God's word. And this is what he wants us to know. Okay, 27, that he might present her. This is the bride now. This is those people that entered the wedding. That he may provide, that he may present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle any longer or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. These people are sinners who have quit sinning. They have the seal. Jesus has left the Holy of Holies. He's no longer a priest ministering blood. 
He is now the King of Kings coming to earth to get his reward and to bring us our reward. It is the righteousness of Christ, his own unblemished character that through faith is imparted. It's no longer imputed. Imputed means his righteousness covers our filth. That's imputed. Now it's imparted. It simply means give, given. Christ gives us a robe. Christ restores Adam and Eve's robe. That through faith it is imparted to all who receive him as their personal savior. If Jesus is my savior, he's saving me from sin to righteous living, restored for eternity. He's imparting it, he gives it, but we wear it. I hope we're understanding. We're being restored, redeemed. I am the God that sanctifies you. Let him sanctify us, be happy. Thou shalt not steal. <clears throat> Look at that, we can't do that. We can't do anything, we're not free. We can't steal. What God is saying is you're my creation, my children, I love you. I don't want to see you harmed. If you steal, you'll end up in jail. In jail, you'll be abused. You won't have your freedom. I'll be sad, it hurts me. Please don't hurt me. Thou shalt not hurt me. Don't go to jail. Does it make sense? These are protections and we should delight in them. The white robe of innocence was worn by our first parents when they were placed by God in Holy Eden. They lived in perfect conformity to the will of God. All the strength of their affections was given to their heavenly father. A this is so, listen to this please. <clears throat> A beautiful soft light, the light of God enshrouded the holy pair. This robe of light was a symbol of their spiritual garments of heavenly innocence. They hadn't sinned yet. And at the end, those who are sealed quit sinning. The sins we've committed were paid for at the cross. The wages of sin is death, he died it. Thank you, Jesus. But when sin entered, they, they severed their connection with God and the light that had encircled them departed. God will sanctify us if we let him. I delight to do thy will, O oh my God, yea, thy laws within my heart. That's simple. There's the law, 10 of them, not nine, 10. I delight to do thy will, O God. Yes, your law is within my heart, meaning I love it. If you love me, keep my commandments, let's love him. His commandments are protection. By his perfect obedience, he has made it possible for every human being to obey God's commandments. <clears throat> When we submit ourselves, we have to submit to his way, not what we want. 
When we submit ourselves to Christ, the heart is united with his heart, the will with his will, the mind with his mind. We become one with God. We come into the fullness of Christ. We have matured. The thoughts are brought into the captivity with him. We live his life. This is what is meant. This is what it means to be clothed in the garment of righteousness. To be clothed in the garment of righteousness is to live righteous by choice. It's my choice, my robe. Then as the Lord looks upon us, he sees his own robe of righteousness, which is perfect obedience to the law of Jehovah given to us. And we received it instead of selfishly saying, I want it my way. All must pass the scrutiny of the great king, that's the father. And only those are received who have put on the robe of Christ's righteousness, no longer hiding under it. They put on the robe of Christ's righteousness and they live righteousness. It's theirs by choice. Righteousness is right doing and it is by their deeds that all will be judged. It says we are judged by our works. We're not saved by our works, but we certainly are judged by them because they show whether our faith is genuine. That's the proof. That's the seal. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now I'm going to read as we close something else that's beautiful. And this is something I love. I, I share this with people continuously. We hear and see and talk about so much negativism and you become depressed and Satan loves that. Say, get thee behind me, Satan. God said, think on the good things. Well, what good is there to think on? There's some good stuff in here but it's hard to find amongst the shadows. So I singled it out here, and this will be found in the book Maranatha. Things God has prepared for those that love him. Eye has not seen, ear is not heard, but God has spoken it. And I love sharing this with you. The soul we just talked about, taking on the garment, the robe, the, the seal of God. The soul redeemed and cleansed from sin, dedicated to the service of God is of surpassing worth. We will dwell forever in the home of the blessed without sin and its curse. That'll help. With the perfect likeness of our creator, perfect likeness, we've got our robes back. We will through ceaseless ages advance in wisdom, advance in knowledge, advance in holiness, Holiness advances? Yes. Ever exploring new fields of thought, finding new wonders, finding new glories, ever increasing in the capacity to know more, to enjoy more, to love more. What? Love increases? You don't just love and say, that's a nice thing, I'm glad we have it. No, no, no. Love increases, and check this out. Knowing that there is beyond this, joy, wisdom, and love, infinite. It never stops growing. We don't want to miss that. Get the seal on. 
This is what Christians are pointing toward. By and by the gates of heaven will be opened to admit God's children and from the lips of the King of glory will be heard these words, quote, the rich glory of this new earth is yours to enjoy eternally. Your sorrows are ended because the boss, the owner will win. Jesus will look upon his redeemed saints. Jesus will look upon his redeemed saints, their countenances radiant with glory because we have that robe on. And with his loving eyes fixed upon them, the King of Kings will say, I look upon those my soul suffered for. And behold, I am satisfied. And we'll be satisfied too. But we have to help each other get there. We have to start by knowing what the seal is. It's the robe of righteousness that we had, threw away, and God's trying to give it back. He's covering us with his to impart it so that it can be ours. And it has to be done before probation closes. Folks, keep your eyes open. Summer is nigh. It's time. Now, if I can have a little help singing our closing song, I'd appreciate it. Let's stand for our closing hymn, please. Trust and obey.
Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. That direction book for life is life, and the life was made flesh. The word was made flesh. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done to help us to see we have fallen, and you want us back. Help us to help you. Help us to make the right choices. There's nothing we can do of ourselves, but we can choose wrong or right. Put it in our hearts, Lord, to delight in your ways. Help us to love them and live them and share them so that the end can come. We're looking forward to a new heaven, a new earth, new bodies, new minds, and eternal life restored. Help us to keep that in mind, Lord, because it's love, and we need to return our love to you. Thank you for this holy day, your holy word, and for the opportunity for us to join you Help us now to stay firm and not waver. And we thank you for your help and your patience. In Jesus' name, amen.